Good morning, guys. Well, as many of you guys know, Oscar was scheduled to preach this morning, as is indicated on the bulletin there. Um, but he got sick, and uh, it's encouraging to know that he and his wife, though they got sick, a little easy as well, they're getting better, so that's awesome. Uh, that's really why they're not here this morning, is so that they can get some rest and uh, remain at home. And uh, he mentioned not spreading his cold to anybody else, and uh, thank God he does not have COVID. So with last minute notice, uh, I am teaching this morning, obviously, and it is a, a little bit unusual. Um, in that, we have a topical talk for this morning. Normally, of course, on Sunday mornings, typically, uh, we take a book of the Bible, and then we walk through the book of the Bible, and we preach what is called expositional preaching, which is where we want to make sure that the point of the sermon is the main point of the passage. Uh, that's expositional preaching, but today, though, we look at a topic, and the topic is delighting in God and His Word, specifically through praying through Scripture. So if you're uh, looking to take notes here, this is what it is, delighting in God and His Word, specifically through praying through Scripture. And I'm actually super excited to talk about this, because we typically talk about it, I think, almost every single year, and we hadn't done it last year, uh, just because we weren't gathering um, inside the building and whatnot, and we usually do it on an evening service uh, talk there, so we get to do it this morning. Um, let's go ahead and begin. If you are like me, you have had challenges praying to God, uh, and, and really the definition for praying to God is personally communicating with God, right? Talking to God. And again, if you're like me, we've had challenges in praying to God. Maybe even this morning you experienced challenges in talking or personally communicating with God. Maybe you're tempted to just simply go through the motions. You are tempted to go through the motions. This is like problem number one, right? Um, Christians, right? We all know that it's a good thing to pray, but, uh, you know, sometimes we just simply feel like we are going through the motions, whether that be seven days a week or three days a week or whatever it is. And perhaps even we say the same types of things. Here's another problem. There's a problem of wandering minds. And so one person puts it this way. You know, we, we begin our prayers go, going before the holy God. Saying something like, our Father who is holy, thou art who in heaven, who are in heaven. I humbly come before your throne of grace this very morning, and then you end up thinking, so what exactly am I going to eat for breakfast? Or where is my coffee? Or you might think, you know, how am I going to respond to that coworker who's gossiping about me in the workplace? Or, you know, gosh, I'm super hungry. I wonder what's for lunch even today. And where you begin to talk to your God, your creator, your maker, eventually you're just kind of your mind skews off somewhere else, and then you kind of lose track of, <laughs> about the fact that you're talking with God. Here's another one. If going through the motions and then having a wandering mind is enough, sometimes we simply don't know what to pray for. We don't know what to pray for ourselves. We don't know what to pray for others. And so, you know, we find ourselves, once again, praying the same thing for the same people day in, day out. And of course, with these difficulties, again, if you're like me, these difficulties lead to discouragement, especially when we come in contact with the fact that the Word of God says, like Colossians 4, 2, it says there that we are to be devoted to prayer. Or 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says that we are to pray without ceasing. 
And there I think he doesn't mean pray and don't do anything else. He means do everything with a prayerful attitude. That's what I think he means there. So then what, what exactly are the solutions? How is it that we can grow in our relationship with God where we come to delight in him? Delight in him. That's a really good question. If you guys have ever gone on a date, right, you, you want to be delighting in the other person. You want the other person to be seeking out who you are. Uh, and so imagine if you just turned up to, you know, family dinner and you, you didn't care about the other people, but you just went through the motions of asking the same questions without anything there in relation to heart and really getting to know the people that you're talking to, whether you're asking the same questions or not. So the thesis this morning here, we're going to take a look at one of the most important ways we can grow in our relationship with God, and that is through praying through Scripture. Praying through Scripture. We look first at, if you're taking notes, we look first at what is praying through Scripture. As I already defined it, uh, prayer, we want to start with that. Again, it's personal conversation with God, with Christ, through the Spirit. Praying through Scripture then is, here we go, using God's Word to inform our prayers, using God's word to inform our prayers, or another way of putting it is having our prayers be guided by his will. And this is really not a difficult process. John Piper simply lays it out as this. It is to read or recite the word and turn it into prayer as you go. Read or recite the word and turn it into prayer as you go. That's John Piper's definition. Too often our prayers are expressions of our own wants. And we pray according to our own wills. Now, those prayers, they may align with God's desires, but they may not. But typically, for the average Christian, I think the average Christian just prays according to their own wants and according to their own wills, and they completely forget about God the Creator. Here are some examples. Lord, please give me that job that I applied for, because then I can put my degree to use or whatever it is. God, please give me that girlfriend, that boyfriend, because, wow, they are beautiful, and I think I'd really like them. Please, God, get me into that school because I really want to go there where my friends are, or please give me this because I, please give me this because I, please give me this because I. But to be honest, this kind of praying says a lot about who we think God is, doesn't it? We might think that if, if our prayers really look like that, God, give me this because I want this, it, it might reflect that we think that God is our heavenly water boy, our heavenly executive assistant where we call the shots and he is supposed to fulfill, where really he lives to serve us and where we are lords, oddly enough, in his kingdom. But we as Christians know that there is only one Lord and creator. There is only one king. If that is the case, then you see why praying according to our own will and wants primarily can really be dangerous, right? It reflects that we might actually think that we are lords in his kingdom. It's just he's supposed to serve us. And so our sinfulness and our fallen nature there gets cloaked in the outward practice of godliness. If you're visiting with us today, there's a lot of things here that we assume 
uh, here and talking about prayer and about God and about King, uh, God, Jesus who is King. Well, we believe that there is only one throne and Jesus Christ is on that throne. There's only one King, only one Creator. And He made us all, everything in the world, made us as human beings to be in a relationship with Him, a trusting relationship, a loving relationship. We are supposed to take all of our cues for Him. We are supposed to be personally communicating with Him as Adam and Eve did in the garden. We are supposed to image His loving character to one another, but we sinned against him. We broke that relationship by acting like we were kings. We sought to be lords and we sought to take over his kingdom. And so we disregarded what he wanted. We disregarded his will and his wants. And we earned for ourselves just judgment as God is holy and righteous after all. Praise the Lord for that. The punishment against rebelling against him is judgment, eternal hell, the Bible even says. Now, you might be asking there, okay, if that is who God is, and if we have sinned, and if we have earned ourselves just judgment, then the question is, well, you might be asking, why isn't prayer something like groveling? All you Christians do is you just grovel. You know, I hope you heard today that we actually haven't groveled yet, nor do I think we will, or nor do I think we should, because why is that? Because God is a loving God. He doesn't call us to crawl to him and lick his boots as if he's some sort of tyrant, but he is a loving God who is all merciful and all loving and full. He abounds in steadfast love. And even though we sinned, God himself provided a solution to the misery we got ourselves into. And this solution is his grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. Christ who takes on flesh, lives a holy life we should have. He dies on the cross for the sins of all of his people. Right Where we deserve punishment of death, Jesus Christ takes that upon himself for his people. And he is our sacrifice of atonement. He bears the punishment we should have. Three days later, he gets up from the dead declaring that no more death is required for those who repent of their sins and believe. And in that transaction, when we believe in Christ and his cross work, Christ reestablishes that relationship, our relationship with God that God originally intended for us. And so we are reconciled to God. We are at one, which is why the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is called the atonement, at one mint. Sinners and God, at one. All on account of Christ and his righteousness, not through our own works, but simply by grace through faith in Christ and his work on the cross. This here is the gospel. And so in prayer, right, in this discussion of prayer, we draw near before the throne of grace through Jesus Christ, not to lick the boots of Jesus as if he were a tyrant, but no, we actually go to Jesus because he is a loving Savior who calls people to come to repent of their sins and believe, and you will be saved. So if you're visiting with us and know yourself not to be a Christian, this is extended to everybody who hears. So repent of your sins and believe. Jesus says you will be saved, forgiven of your sins, adopted into your family declared righteous all on account of his work and his person so again prayer is a natural byproduct of a personal relationship with our loving god who goes to such great lengths to save sinners in jesus god who is gracious merciful steadfast in love god who does not treat us as our sins deserve but for those who have turned from their sins and believed on him he separates them as far as the east is from the west, so he separates us from our sins. And he calls all of his people now to draw near to him, to come to his throne of grace, where we know his love and his peace and his rest.
and praying then, right? If we are going to pray as if it's all, as if this world is all about us and we want God to be our water boy to just deliver to us what we ourselves want as if God's wants and wills do not matter, that's, right, that's our ungodliness cloaked in godly forms of prayer. And it's incredibly dangerous. We are supposed to, as Christians, be living for His will as King, praying even according to His will. The question then is, right, well, how exactly can we know His will? Right? If praying for ourselves based on our own wants and wills only is not good, then how exactly are we supposed to know God's will, which is pray God's will, which is good? Well, the answer is through His Word. So the psalmist says, your word, this is Psalm 19, 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light unto my path. And so as God's will guides our walk, God's will then guides our prayers. Every single step of it, right? Every single step of our lives. God's word and his will is to inform our prayers. There's tons of different, different examples that we could spend time on. We got Old Testament examples, lots of Psalms. Uh, show the same. They're all prayers that God would do what he has promised. In the New Testament, we have a bunch of different prayers. We have the Lord Jesus teaching his people to pray. He instructs them in this way. He says, guys, pray. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. He says, this is God's will, right? We're thinking about how do we know God's will? This is God's will for you, that you should be sanctified. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. There we know very clearly this is God's will. And then Paul, just a handful of verses later, actually prays, may God himself sanctify you, right? He says on one hand, this is God's will for you, 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 3. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, he says, may God himself sanctify you, make you holy through and through. So here's the fundamental premise. As God's people, we are to rely on God's word for everything in our lives, and in, with every step, and in every step of our lives. Second Peter 1, 3 says, God has given us everything for life and godliness in his word, in his word. Therefore, as one says, just as God's word shapes our understanding of everything, or just as God's word is to shape our understanding of everything, so it is to shape how we pray. He says, just as God's word is to shape our understanding of everything, shapes how we understand, shapes how to understand God uh, and how we live our lives in this world, so it must shape and inform our praying. This is God's will then. Prayer, after all, is God's way of giving his blessings to his people. Prayer is God's way of giving his blessings to his people. Not in a name and claim it way, okay? Not in a name and claim it way. But in a, where, in a way where it's like a parent who promises you guys, look, if you ask according to my will, according to the good that I, that I have established here in this household, and according to the ways that I've laid out as you are in my family, if you ask according to my will, let's assume that this parent is the best parent in the world, then of course you're going to go ask your parent. Of course you are. So God, it is like him saying, if you ask according to my will for Christ's purposes, for God's glory, my glory, I will give it. You can, you can uh, reference there 1 John 5.14. Right, so who wouldn't go to this parent, our Heavenly Father, 
given he is good and always fulfills on his promises. Therefore, it means we must pray according to his will, align with his values, in conformity with his own character and purposes, claiming his own promises. That's D.A. Carson. Again, this is not in a name it and claim it way. This is in simply like he promises, let's say, to deliver us once and for all from sin. He promises to raise us from the dead. Well, we can pray that. We can pray those very things as we live our lives as Christians following after Jesus. So here's a summary. What is praying through Scripture? It is having God's will and word inform our prayers. To go back to John Piper, it is to read or recite the word and simply turn it into prayer as you go. Second point, second question is why do it? Why do it? By the way, in the third section, we're going to actually try and do it. But, you know, we're kind of getting, we're explaining things and we're going to get to the actual doing of it in the next point here. But anyways, the second question here is why do it? Why do it? First, we learn what to pray for. We learn God's will according to his word. We learn God's will according to his word. That the word of God is, is the blueprint he has given us so that we know him and know the weight of salvation. So that he, we know what exactly he wants from us. So why would we not go to the very blueprint where he has revealed himself? We learn that his will, what his will is and how it is to be done. And then all of a sudden, if you guys are thinking about, you know, you, you, might, you might struggle to know what to pray for. All of a sudden... We realize that there is so much to pray for because we have God's word right in front of us. The second thing, like first we learn what to pray for. The second thing for why we do it is we learn to delight in God and grow in godliness. We learn to delight in God and grow in godliness. Um, You guys know how we delight in our friends and loved ones, right, as we grow to know them. Just think of somebody you enjoy getting to know. Well, you delight in your friends and your loved ones the more and more you, you know them. It's like getting a letter from, from them, and we get to hear about what they're up to, the things they've done. We get to hear about what they stand for, even as they're writing their, different, writing their letter. They're expressing what's, what's on their heart. They're going to talk to you about what's on their minds and the very things that they love. Well, friends, you realize that in the Word of God, so it goes with God. We have in the Word of God what he has been up to. We have in the word of God what he stands for, what is on his heart, what occupies his mind, the display of his character throughout time. We get to see the very things he loves. He has given us his inspired word, and through it we can grow in our appreciation for who God is. And as we do so, right, as we are investigating who this God is, we enter into his love's. We enter into his loves. We come to love what he loves by the Spirit of God. God's priorities become our priorities by the Spirit of God. And so we come to grow in godliness. We have holy loves. We start walking in holy ways. We start thinking righteous thoughts about ourselves and other people and especially about God. And on and on and on. And so we grow in godliness. We come to understand the world around us so much better. The physical in light of the spiritual and the temporal in light of the eternal. So again, we're looking at why do it. I mentioned first, we learn what to pray for. Second, we learn to delight in God and grow in godliness. And then third, 
we help others delight in God and grow in godliness, right? We do this particularly when we pray God's will for other people. No longer are we stuck praying like the same things day in and day out. Instead, we have the whole entire counsel of God to pray for this particular person. And we can have confidence that God will answer in his time. Imagine how much this delights God, your God, as you pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ, even here at this church. What parent would not delight to see one of his children, one of her children, coming to them on behalf of the sibling, right? On behalf of the other kid. Letting the parent know, hey, you know, Sister Josephine over here, she's in deep trouble. And I would love it if you could intervene to shed wisdom on that particular area. And then strengthen me too as I help her as she struggles. You know, if that happened in my house, I'd be delighted. This is what praying through Scripture helps us move towards. We learn to pray according to God's will. We learn to delight in God and grow in godliness. And then we get to help others grow in the same. So we have asked first, what is praying through Scripture? Second, why pray through Scripture? And number three, we look at how do we pray through Scripture? How do we pray through Scripture? This is point number three. Okay, so here we're going to get somewhat practical here. And I'm going to ask you guys to actually write things down on your phones or on your bulletin or something. So get out your phones, resist looking at Instagram notifications, and I'm going to ask you guys to type down some things. Um, And I'll let you know when it's time. Okay, so as we work through how do I pray through Scripture, you first want to have a passage of Scripture. And you can use literally any portion of text. But for beginners, I recommend you start with things like the Lord's Prayer. I recommend you start with the prayers of Paul. And uh, our example today comes from the book of Psalms. So we're going to look at Psalm 23. Go ahead and turn over to Psalm 23. And, uh, you know, if, you know you're, you're looking for a passage of Scripture. Okay, now we got a passage of Scripture, Psalm 23. We want to begin with reading and meditating over... Um, really the passage so that we can just gain a basic understanding of what it is. And remember, no matter what passage you're reading, you want to let the, the author of scriptures, you want to let God's thoughts become our thoughts, right? God's concerns become our concerns. And here, let's just go ahead and look at Psalm 23. This is a uh, in super encouraging psalm, a psalm that I go back to so frequently. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This psalm here, just getting a big picture understanding of it, it's all about uh, letting God be God, no matter the circumstances. Letting God be God, or trusting in God as God, no matter the circumstances. So let's look at verse 1, and we're going to use a framework for praying through the passage here. And uh, this is called the ACTS model of prayer, A-C-T-S. Go ahead and write this down. Um, you can write it down uh, 
this way. Don't write it across. You can write it down that way. It's an acronym, A-C-T-S. A stands for adoration. A stands for adoration. C stands for confession. T stands for thanksgiving. And S stands for supplication. So we have, again, adoration. We have confession. We got thanksgiving. And we got supplication. Okay, so let's just go ahead and use verse 1 to help us pray through Scripture. Uh, it says there, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now remember, right, this word is the living word of the living God. And so we know it is powerful, and we know it's going to accomplish all of God's purposes. That's how we approach the word of God. We know what it is. And through his word, we come to know him and enjoy him, right? We're entering into his loves. And so we come to adoration. Now, the, the question for adoration really is, um, what can I praise God for from the passage? For, I'm talking about from the passage specifically. What can we praise God for? Or according to the passage, another way to ask, ask the question, is according to the passage, why is God praiseworthy? And I want you to take some time there and just, just list it out, right? You can think about the Lord. And maybe just go on and just list everything you know about the Lord and, and why you should praise the Lord. Take some time to do that. Draw from the Old Testament. Draw from the New Testament as the New Testament is fulfilled. I'm oh, sorry, the Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus. And then just go through that, right? The Lord is my shepherd. Well, why should we praise God for that? Him being my shepherd. If you look at my, you can look at the word shepherd. What do you know about a shepherd that calls you to praise God? Because God is the shepherd. And then he says there, I shall not want. Well, why is God praiseworthy there? What about God makes us not want, right? Actually write it down. Take some time there. Take like a minute. as you guys are writing things down let me talk to some of you guys now some of you guys might actually be doubting this you might actually think that in your own doubt you don't even know if this is true that's actually what, what i want you to do is i don't want you to push those feelings away i actually want you to note them and you got to be honest with yourself here because these are real struggles that christian go through christians go through and they do so in scripture so what you're feeling is not unusual but then the question is, well, how do we actually address that according to God's word? And we're going to get to that. Maybe you're wrestling with who in the world this Lord is. Maybe you don't feel like he's a good shepherd. And again, we're going to address those things here. But what, is, what does scripture say about who this Lord is according to the word of God? Okay, here's what I came up with. Here's what I came up with. Well, the Lord is the Lord. In other words, he is Yahweh, the creator over all. That means he is all-powerful. That means he is all-sovereign. He does what he pleases. He speaks things into existence, and then they come about. How, pow how powerful is that? He is also all-knowing. Isn't that interesting? And comforting, too, I think. He is also all-wise. We also know that he's all-loving. Just think about the gospel, right, that, that we already talked about. We sinned against him. He could have judged us all immediately, but what does he do? 
He intervenes, giving divine grace. He's gracious as he enters into covenant with sinners, right? And he accomplishes the covenant all by himself. He sends Jesus to die on the cross, to shed his blood. And in the shedding of his blood, we have the establishment of the new covenant. We know that in the Old Testament, right, God is slow to anger, but he abounds in steadfast love. It just overflows from him. Steadfast love overflows from him. And he is God who forgives sinners. We also know, of course, that he is holy, he is righteous. We know he is just. Right? Those are all the different reasons for why we should praise the Lord. Here's another one. We move on to the next word. The Lord is my shepherd. Well, there you got this, this aspect of my. There we know that God is our personal shepherd. He's just, not all, he's just not up there like he's abandoned you guys. Though sometimes we might feel like that is the case. We know, according to the word, that that is not the case. It says here, praise the Lord. And this is David. He knows he went through some serious suffering. But yet he's able to say the Lord is my shepherd. He knows all the ins and outs of Jeremy. All of my struggles. All of my quirks. All of my weaknesses. All of my temptations. All of my victories by his grace. And he is here shepherding me. What does a shepherd do? Of course, a shepherd. He cares for his people. He is loving. He's mindful. You get those, the, those, the, the analogy that Jesus gives is, you know, he himself, we know from Scripture, actually, 1 Peter 5, he is the chief shepherd. He goes after the one that is lost to draw him back. It's just effusive in love, actually, while not compromising his justice. And then you get here, shall not want. What did you guys put there? This thing, what is that summarized about God that is worthy of praise? I put here, God is all satisfying. God is all satisfying. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. And, and the implication is, therefore, therefore, I shall not want. I need not want. Why is that? Well, because God is all satisfying. He is my everything. Okay, so, so right there, right? We, we got tons to praise God for. So if you're struggling with, well, what do I praise God for? How do I pray? Right here would be a practical time. Typically, what we have done in the past is, we might take some time and actually pray and praise God for the very things that we've written down, right? And then if you're doing it in groups or, you know, you and your roommates or whoever it is, your parents or husband or wife, whoever it is, you can take turns and you just sit there and pray. We have so much to pray for just going over these handful of words. Praising God for who we know he is according to his own revelation. Right? That, so the adoration there. We would take time to, we praise you, God, for X, Y, and Z, for being the Lord, for being X, Y, and Z, all of those different things, for being all satisfying. Okay, that's adoration. Hope you guys get that. Then we got confession. See, how does this passage confront me in my unbelief? Or another way to ask it is, given these truths of the things I just listed out, um, given these truths, what then do I need to confess? What do I need to confess? Let me, let me encourage you guys to take a minute, take a couple minutes and write down these things. Now again, this, this talk here, it really meets some of you guys right where you're at. Because a lot of you guys, I mean, frankly, us all at some point in time, we're not going to be very happy with the Lord's shepherding. I know that that sounds so ugly, but it's good to acknowledge those things because we're sinners. So this meets you where you guys are at, or at least, you know, some of you, and... 
where all of us will be, I think, at some point in time in our lives. How does this passage confront you in your unbelief? Given these truths, what do you need to confess? For example, what do you want? What do you want? It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, what do you want and when do you want it? Here's some things to confess. Just some examples as you guys continue to write stuff down. I confess I'm not satisfied in you and in you alone, ultimately. I confess sometimes I despair so badly because I don't get what I want that I feel like there's absolute hope even if I am in Christ, even if Christ has promised eternal life. I want that relationship that I don't have. I want that family that I don't have. I want this business transaction or that job that I've always dreamed about. I want that. And if I don't have it, then, I'm, then I despair. I want more money. I want no suffering. I want no difficulty. I want all control in my anxiety. I want to be comfortable. Those are the things we want. And then there's just a myriad of different ways in which we go and seek those things out. Pornography, control, anxiety, power, relationships, sex outside of God's design, dating, maybe even date, being willing to date a non-Christian because we don't think that God's going to take care of us. And that's, those are the things that we want. Here's some other things to confess. You know, when, 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 if you're like me, when you despair or when you are angry or when you have been angry towards God and we, we're taking things into our own hands, which if you, for you gals, you guys know that there's a lot of that going on in Genesis. When you take things into your own hands, aren't you basically saying that God, you ain't no good shepherd and so I'm going to shepherd myself. God, you are not all wise. You are not all loving. You are not all loving. You're not working out all things for your glory and for my good. And so I need to shepherd myself. Isn't that really what we do when we sin? Really, every time we sin, we think we are better shepherds than God. We look at this passage and say, the Lord, no, the Lord is not all of those things that I mentioned. He is not all wise, all sovereign, all loving, not gracious. He doesn't care. And so we say, the Lord is not my shepherd. I, Jeremy, am my best shepherd. Because I don't, can't trust God. With the Lord being my shepherd, I actually need to want. That's what we might say in our sin. Instead, we say, Jeremy is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall never want. Oh, that's, that's ugly. And I know that because that happens every time I sin. And I'm hoping you guys are coming to realize that you guys are the same way in your sin. Well, we have this whole list, right? We doubt the, who the Lord is. Or maybe we even name him or describe his character, or attribute attributes of, to him that are definitely not true. We question his ability to shepherd. We don't want to be led beside still waters, or at least insofar as he designates them or leads me. We don't want him to lead us into paths of righteousness. We don't want to walk. We don't want to walk with him through the valley of the shadow of death. And we just simply doubt who he is. 
and therefore we give into sin and are wanting. So you see all right there, we have so much to confess to God. Even in this last week, you probably have a lot to confess to God. Think about all the ways in which you have given in to your wants and desires. And so after that, right, let's say you're praying in groups, then you would be able to, you know, literally just take turns praying, confessing the sins uh, that you just wrote down. And then you would move on. Of course, you in confession, you would ask specifically for God to forgive you. And we are definitely going to get that. Now, next, we move on to Thanksgiving here. And we ask the question, what can I thank God for from the passage? What can I thank God for from the passage? Well, I'm super encouraged because God is who he is. Thank you. Thank you, God, that even though I sin, about, sin against you in all those different ways, yet you call me to confess my sin. You say that you are righteous to forgive. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you that in Christ, who is our chief shepherd, God the Son has come in the flesh. How personal is that, right? My shepherd, my chief shepherd. You see how much he cares? Thank God that you continue to care. Though I have sinned against you, yet you die on the cross for my sins. And you remain faithful to your covenant love. Thank you, God, that despite my sin, you remain with me, working on my heart even right now through the Spirit, even though it's really hard, you work on my heart through the Spirit, through the Word, through the church, in Jesus Christ. There's so much to thank God for. We could just continue to go on. The next one, we go to supplication. What does God desire that we ask of Him? What does God desire we ask of Him? What does He want us children to have? What ought we to ask God for our brothers and sisters here, obviously, right, we just confess our sins. Well, we we're going to pray, Lord, forgive us for our sins. Forgive me. And then help me also see, as it says in Isaiah, Isaiah 33, 17, help me see the beauties of the king. So that way I don't think that God desires that I come lick his boots as if he's a tyrant. But instead he welcomes me as his son through Jesus Christ to draw on his grace and mercies, even though I sin. Help me, Lord, pour over the word to see where I don't understand you so well and where I can understand you better. How about in those moments where we don't like where he is taking us? We, we ask him, Lord, teach me to submit. Lord, help me find satisfaction in you, not in the things of the world, worldly comfort, worldly security, pleasures of the world. Help me find Jesus greater than food, pleasures of the world, relationships, fame and glory, and then everything else. Help me find satisfaction in you, Lord Jesus Christ, in your love and in your peace. And help me know rest in you. Help me walk faithfully, no matter where you lead, to green pastures or even in the valley of the shadow of death. Guys, you see that not only can you pray this for yourself, you can pray this for your family and friends. And we go from not knowing what to pray for to having so much to pray about. We go from using the same words over and over again to using all of Scripture. And the practice of praying through Scripture is the avenue to delight in God and grow in godliness. As one Christian said, right, in the practice of praying through Scripture, as you do it, we, we begin to delight in doing it and we begin to seek out new phrases. One person said, we can go on to the next 
words or verse turning all into prayer for myself or others as the word may lead to it. This is where we learn to pray not only for ourselves, but also for others, for your family, for your friends, for your non-Christians, for all sorts of people, while beholding the beauties of Jesus Christ. I have this uh, handout here. Actually, the handout is a bookmark. And um, I believe David Reed designed these a while ago. Thanks, David. We have uh, the bookmark here. It, it lists out prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. You could use this in your, uh, just put in your Bibles, and then when it's time to pray, like when you're going through your daily devotions, you can pull it out, and on the back it also has some prompts and useful things for you to pray about, uh, which is super useful. I encourage you guys to come and grab one. We should have one for everybody here, so come and see me after this talk about, um, about that bookmark. So as we conclude here, as we pray through God's Word, we want our prayers to be informed by God's will and God's Word. God's will and God's word. We can take God's words and then we pray them back to him. So Christian, I hope you guys are encouraged here to pray. The simple technique of praying through the word and the power of the spirit can help revitalize your prayer life and help you enjoy and delight in your Lord and Savior. So remember that we have the, the ACTS model, A-C-T-S. If you guys want to go through it, um, with me or another Christian who has gone through it before, then definitely let me know. I'll try and pair you up with somebody uh, who has gone through this. And, you know, really we hope to, I want you guys to learn to love Jesus. And how is it that we can grow in that? Well, it's by taking his word and his will and by sifting through it and seeing all of God's, beginning to see more of God's glory in the very passages and the truths that are behind them and in them. With that, let's go ahead and pray together. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us and that we are not in darkness to create what we think is your will, but instead we have it right in front of us. We thank you, God, that you reveal yourself to us and in your revelation, in the word of God, we come to know who you are. Lord, we pray that we, you would help us recover this incredibly personable aspect of prayer and that you would help us learn to simply communicate with you as that is what you desire. And that's exactly what we see all of your people doing in Scripture. Lord, we pray that truly you would help us behold the beauties of the King. We pray, God, too, in light of the verse that we read, that you would teach us uh, to satisfy us, that you, you would, in fact, teach us to know that you are satisfying, all satisfying, given who you are. We have certainly given you praise we confess, Lord, that many times we want our hearts stray and we grasp after worldly things in, to satisfy our souls. But we know, God, that in your word, our, we are to find rest in you. We thank you, God, that you are the fountain of life and you satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, every moment even, with your grace and mercies, which are new every moment in Jesus. We pray, God, you would, in fact, Forgive us for the things we have done, and you would forgive us for the things we have left undone. Lord, we pray that where we want and where we doubt your character, where we say that you are something you are not, God, we pray that you would forgive us. Help us go to your word to learn more about who you are. Open our eyes that we might behold 
the marvelous things in your word and about who you are so that we might follow you all the more wholeheartedly and grow in Christ-likeness. Lord Jesus, we ask that even in this time, your name would be glorified. And in our personal prayer lives, your name would be glorified. In your name we pray. Amen.